Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito This is the Falcoholic Podcast, the official podcast of the Atlanta Falcons on the SB Nation Podcast Network. I'm David Walker, and on today's podcast, we kick off our series where we preview the 2021 season going through each of the roster uh, spots, uh, the different positions, uh, and, and giving us, giving you guys our thoughts on what the outlook is for 2021, the specific players, uh, the things to look out for. And today we start with the very key position in the middle of the field, of course, at this quarterback. Join me in this conversation to go through the quarterback position for the Atlanta Falcons. First is my co-host during the season. She is the one and only forever Matt Online, Gina Kelly. Gina, how you doing? I'm doing great, David. Thanks. How are you today? I am good. My eyes are actually seeing again. I'm not dilated. I'm, I'm feeling really optimistic these days. Exciting. Um, <laughs> exciting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> this is pandemic level excitement, people. Um, we have lowered the bar. Uh, all right. <laughs> also joining us is one of our fellow editors at The Falcoholic. He is also the host of The Falcoholic Live uh, YouTube show. And that is the one and only Kevin Knight. Kevin, thanks for joining us, man. Yes, thanks for having me on. Excited to uh, get back in here with you guys and you know, talk some quarterbacks, you know, apparently training camp is coming, you know, I've been told Ooh. this for a while now, but I think actually that it is, you know, a week away at this point. So very exciting stuff. Very, very close. I think the opening date for uh, fans to be able to see training camp at least is Saturday, July 31st. Um, so very exciting. Uh, incidentally, if you guys don't know, you can check out one of our previous podcasts. We go through the dates that training camp is open. Uh, and what you have to do to go to training camp, because there are some changes this year, you do have to reserve tickets to go to training camp at Flowery Branch, unlike in the past. Um, now that we have that out of the way, quarterback, uh, we are here to talk about the quarterback position, the one that arguably uh, this year was sort of uh, controversial because of the new GM, the new uh, head coach for the Falcons. And, you know, you've got a, a quarterback in Matt Ryan who, uh, former MVP, multi-time pro bowler, uh, great all-time uh, franchise quarterback for the Falcons, but he turned 36 this year. Um, and, you know, Kevin, I'll start here with you. Uh, as we go into the season, I think a lot of people rightfully were thinking, okay, they've got the number four pick. This could be the, the time uh, to grab the future QB, uh, even if you do stick with Ryan this year. And obviously they didn't go that route. Um, it looks like they're punting on the position, the long-term outlook for the position, at least this year um, with Ryan at, at age 36, they uh, converted a, a large portion of his salary to be a bonus so they could push the cap hit into future years. Um, what are your thoughts, you know, just to kick this off on Matt Ryan being the guy, I mean, he's, he's it, he's the guy going into 2021. 
Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, uh, I'm excited about Matt Ryan. Uh, I think the, the coaching staff is committed to him clearly. Um, and I, I think that, you know, we've seen this financial commitment and now we've seen, you know, the commitment in terms of not drafting a replacement, you know, the only people they brought in are AJ McCarron and Felipe Franks, who are obviously not threatening Matt Ryan in any way. So, um, <laughs> I don't think there's any reason to think that Matt Ryan is going to all of a sudden fall off or have a problem. In fact, I think that he's better suited, um, to, uh, Arthur Smith's offense than he was to dirt cutters, especially as he ages, uh, because Arthur yes. Smith is going to have a, a more intermediate focused offense, more play action heavy, which we saw Ryan was excellent in under Kyle Shanahan and Steve Sarkeesian. Um, so I think that honestly syncs up better met with Matt Ryan's talents anyway. You know, he's never been an elite deep ball thrower. He's obviously been fine in that regard. He can take some shots, but I think the intermediate area of the field has always been his go to his his strongest asset. So uh, I'm excited to see what Matt Ryan can do in this offense. You know, Arthur Smith made Ryan Tannehill look like a top five NFL quarterback. So I can only <laughs> imagine what's going to happen with Matt Ryan this year. Uh, Gina, the Falcons had the opportunity to draft a quarterback out of Ohio State University. Um, Excuse they... me, it's it's the Ohio State. <laughs> <laughs> How dare you, DW? First I, of all. Yeah. I put that one in the air for her to spike it. Now give me some yes. credit. Um, the Ohio State University in Justin Fields, who also incidentally started at UGA. So there was a lot of connections there. Um, and to be fair, the Falcons were not the only team that passed on them. The uh, In the same division, Carolina Panthers, who uh, you know clearly probably could have used an up, upgrade at quarterback, also passed on him. Um, what are your thoughts on the Falcons sort of committing at least this season and probably, you know, even into the future to uh, Matt Ryan, who is 36 years old now? Yeah. Now, David, as somebody who like me is well over the age of 36, we know 36 <laughs> is not that old and especially in quarterback years. I'm mm -hmm. not comparing Matt Ryan to Tom Brady, who I'm pretty sure is, I don't know, working with extraterrestrial terrestrials or something to keep his body this healthy, but Ryan has been really durable. Um, you know, knock on whatever wood you can find. Uh, he's been very, very durable over the course of his career. He has missed very little time and he has been a really consistent producer at the quarterback position. So I'm actually really excited to see what Arthur Smith is able to do with him this year. Um, like Kevin said, you know, Smith, I think made Tannehill look really, really good. And yes. when you're taking a quarterback who has looked good, even under Dirk Cutter's leadership and play calling, um, <laughs> and then you factor in an actual coach who is imaginative and isn't a very predictable play caller. I think that the ceiling for Ryan is very, very high this year. Yeah. And I'm glad you brought up the, the durability because I, I think this bears repeating in 14 years, 14 years, 14 full seasons that Matt Ryan has played, he has missed exactly three games. Mm -hmm. um, that is uh, incredibly impressive. I, I would argue the only other quarterback I think that has shown to be that durable was Brett Favre, uh, who had an incredible streak of, of playing, uh, you know, nonstop. And, you know, Ryan, I don't think gets enough credit for that. He has been uh, someone who is taking care of himself. He is not a Ben Roethlisberger. <laughs> I'm going to take shots <laughs> at Big Ben in this podcast. Um, 
but he is someone that's taken care of himself uh, his entire t- time in the league. Uh, I do think there are some parallels to Brady, maybe not to that same extent, but uh, he is someone that in the offseason uh, keeps himself in good shape, flexible, uh, and he deserves a ton of credit for that. And, you know, as I mentioned, he'll be 36. He is 36 now. He'll be 36 uh, through this entire season. Um, but to your point, Gina, like for those of us who are well past that point, 36 is young. I don't know what you yes, people are talking is. about. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I would love it if my knees felt 36 again instead oh, of a day short of 45. So oh, you're not kidding. Um, to, to both of your points, um, Matt Ryan under Dirk Cutter uh, the past two years, uh, let's be clear, his stats have still been uh, pretty impressive. Uh, in 2020, uh, 65% completion rate, uh, 4,581 yards, 26 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. Uh, the prior year, he had uh, 4,466 yards, 26 touchdowns, 14 interceptions. I think the problem was, you know, we're comparing it to his years in a West Coast offense with play action. Uh, mm-hmm. And obviously, you know, 2016, he had 4,900 yards, 38 touchdowns, seven interceptions. That was the year he won MVP, uh, first yes. team all pro. Uh, so I, I think, you know, even as we all sort of collectively look at the Dirk Cutter years and say, oh man, that was not the best Matt Ryan we could have had, his stats still showed heavy productivity. This guy did not mm-hmm. fall off a cliff. Um, and, you know, Kevin, to your point, I feel like the, the conversation around the style of offense is not being made enough because uh, Ryan is, he is always killed in the middle of the field in their, in the mm-hmm. intermediate range. Um, that has been where he has excelled. Uh, he is one of the best and he is an accurate passer. He is great with timing passes. Um, his deep ball has never been his strongest suit. Uh, and this is an offense that if you watch the Titans over the past couple of years under uh, Arthur Smith, they, they were not a deep ball team. They didn't constantly go over the top. They were, they feasted on the intermediate game. And I feel like this is going to lean very heavily into Matt Ryan's strengths, particularly as you know, with the, the play action, uh, and, uh, again, motion, which, uh, I feel like doesn't get enough attention. Uh, Kevin, I know you paid a lot of attention to that last year. Um, in the fact that <laughs> too the Falcons, much even yeah. right. Uh, pre-snap motion, uh, I, I think Arthur Smith was in the top three, top four, and uh, Dirk Cutter uh, was so far at the bottom that they they invented a different category for the fact that the man did not use uh, <laughs> pre-snap motion. Um, but uh, with Ryan, I think some of the questions that come in are, is he ready to go into another offense yet again? Um, you know, if we look at his career, he started off, you know, 2008 through 2011, with Mike Malarkey. 2012 through 2014, uh, he switched over to Dirk Cutter. Uh, 2015 through 2016, he had uh, Kyle Shanahan. 2017 and 2018, he had Steve Sarkeesian. And then 19 and 20, back to Dirk Cutter. And this is going to be yet another offensive coordinator. So, Gene, I'll go, I'll go to you first with this one. Um, even though we know there's some similarities between what Arthur Smith does and Kyle Shanahan does, um, Obviously, they're going to have uh, a different style of how they call plays, different things they focus on. Do you have any concern about the fact that uh, yet again, for the uh, fifth time in Matt Ryan's uh, 14-year career, he is having to adjust to yet another offensive coordinator? 
I really don't. And I'll tell you why. There are two main reasons. One, um, another you know notable thing about this coaching change is that it is also the first time in Matt Ryan's professional career. I don't know off the top of my head about Boston College, but the first time in his professional career that he's had an offensive-minded head coach. Right. And so just, and especially knowing Smith's skill in um, establishing a run game and also his background along the offensive line, both as a player and a coach. Mm -hmm. I'm really, really excited about that aspect of it for Matt Ryan, because if they have a more balanced offense, I think that that immediately makes Matt Ryan's life on the field easier. And the other reason that I am not really worried about it is because I know how Matt Ryan prepares. I know the time that he puts in off the field. I know the time that he puts in and the investment that he makes in, you know, developing his chemistry with his teammates and all of that kind of stuff. So I truly am not a bit worried about it. Yeah. Um, excellent point. And I, I do feel like leaning back into the things that are going to lean into his strengths is, are, are going to help that. Um, mm-hmm. Kevin, I'm, I'm looking at the PFF scores for Matt Ryan uh, over the past five, eight years. Um, Last year, he actually wasn't that – I think a lot of people thought he was worse than he was, but he actually had an <laughs> 83.1 score, which was yeah. is actually, I think, right around Pro Bowl quality, um, which is mm-hmm. not surprising. Um, but 2019, under Cutter, he had a 76. The last time he was below 80 at all was in 2013, which was – under Dirk Cutter. Um, we don't talk about that year. <laughs> we don't talk. That was a horrifying year. Um, mm-hmm. But the one, the thing I want to point out is 2015 through 2018, where Matt Ryan was finally in a, what I would call a modern NFL offense. The, you know, the uh, use of a lot of the play action and, and uh, pre-snap reads and, uh, you know, stretching the field uh, both vertically and horizontally. And 2015, 80.9. 2016, 92.2. So that's like hmm. you know, the one of the highest grades that year. 2017, 88.3. First year under Steve Sarkeesian, 88.3. Uh, and even 2018, which was, if you remember, an injury-ravaged season, 84.3. Um, does that give you some hope that if you put Matt Ryan, even at age 36, if you put Matt Ryan in the right style of offense, that you are going to maximize what you're getting out of him as a quarterback. Yeah, I think so. And I, I mean, I, I think Matt Ryan has kind of been pretty much, pretty much always just really good. Um, and then there's a lot of factors around him that change. Um, mm-hmm. But Matt Ryan gets, you know, shit from people because he doesn't carry this team to relevance. Like, you know, Aaron Rodgers has carried bad green Bay teams to relevance a lot. Um, and Matt Ryan's not Aaron Rodgers. And I think we're all comfortable saying that, but he's definitely in that tier right behind him where I think if you get everything, if you get at least a functional core around him and a functional offense, I mean, he's going to be getting you to eight and nine wins, you know, easily. Um, and I think we saw that from 2008 on. I mean, I think those were all solid teams that he, you know, did elevate even as a rookie, but, um, you know, dirt cutters offense, was a disaster and he hasn't, he didn't change it at all from 2014 on. He came back in here and ran the exact same thing with a worse offensive line. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, not worse than 2014, 2013, but you know, not a great offensive line. Let's be clear about that. But yes, um, nothing could be worse than 2013's offensive line that 
we don't talk about that offensive line, <laughs> but um, Jeremy Trueblood, what's up, boy? But uh, oh, oh my yeah. goodness. Uh, oof. I mean, how could a guy with a name that cool be bad? I just don't understand. But um, truly, yeah, I, yeah, it just boggles the mind. But I, I think everything about Arthur Smith's offense makes sense to me in terms of why Arthur Smith would keep Matt Ryan and, and feel like he should commit to Matt Ryan. You know, mm-hmm. we talked about the intermediate stuff and the play action, both things that Ryan has done really well with. Um, you know, this is a, you know, when when Kyle Shanahan came in and installed the West Coast offense, that was the first time Ryan had really played in that system at the NFL level. Um, so it, it does take time to learn that. And Kyle Shanahan's offense in particular is known for being difficult to pick up. So it wasn't surprising in hindsight to see that Ryan struggled a little bit that first year. Arthur Smith's offense not necessarily known to be that difficult to pick up. And it is also a West Coast offense, which Ryan does have experience in. Mm-hmm. Um, Ryan Tannehill picked it up you know, within what, six games he was starting and playing at a high level, um, you know, off, off the street, basically from that trade yep. into training camp. And then he was starting six games later at a high level. So not, not, I think that difficult of an offense to pick up. Um, and I think Arthur Smith will also tweak it a little bit, you know, in Atlanta, Atlanta, I think has a little bit of a different construction on offense. Yep. Um, there's no Denver, see, you know, yeah, there's no Derrick Henry. So I, I, as much as I think the run game will be better because I think Arthur Smith actually understands rushing concepts and how to deploy the run game and that sort of thing, which Dirk Cutter clearly did not, um, <laughs> it, the run game will be more effective, but I don't think we're going to see a drastic change in pass run rate. I mean, I think it'll get more to like 60-40 instead of like 65-35, but um, I think that it's just going to be a, a great fit between these two. And, uh, you know, we'll see how long Matt Ryan can keep playing at this level, but I I think two to three years uh, is, is a reasonable expectation. And I think that's kind of what the Falcons are working under, uh, with Ryan at this point. And I'm excited to see, you know, how he does. I I think that it's going to be a good offense, assuming the offensive line can get settled, which will be a a future episode of this podcast. I'm sure talking about that, but, (laughs) um, you know, that's a big question mark, but, um, I also don't think they're going to put as much pressure on the offensive line to, to protect like Dirk Cutter's offense did. So that should help as well. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we are actually going to talk about some of the backups because Matt Schaub, uh, who was 148 years old, finally (laughs) decided to retire um, the God. Yes. Yeah. The, the God, uh, Matt Schaub, uh, future hall of famer. Uh, <laughs> uh, we are going to talk about some of the guys backing him up, what that means potentially for the future. <laughs> uh, and, but before we do that, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by cars.com with over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day. Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. We're back on the Falcoholic Podcast. This is Dave Walker. I'm joined by Gina Kelly and Kevin Knight. We're talking about the quarterback position, what it looks like going into 2021. Uh, before we get to the backup players, which I know everyone is just you know eager to talk about, um, I do want to f- uh, sort of wrap up with this. Um, you know, Matt Ryan's 36. We know at this point who he is as a player. 
He is not going to suddenly start running a 4-4-40. He is not going to be a <laughs> scrambling quarterback. Well, not with that attitude. <laughs> Turn on his high school tape. Turn on his high school tape please, and tell me he's not going to be a running not, quarterback. Please do not limit Dave's ability to make Twitter jokes about Matt Ryan scrambling. It's one of the greatest things on Al Gore's it, internet. It truly <laughs> is. But poor Sarah Ryan probably holds her breath every single time yes. Matt is out there scrambling. Yeah. Um, she's just thinking, come home to our twins, please. Um, <laughs> especially when you see like, you know, saints linemen come barreling down at him. Um, but that happens even when he's in the pocket. So that's neither here nor there. He's not a scrambling quarterback we're, we're going to put that into the atmosphere. Um, but we do know, you know, his, his strengths, uh, he is, he is a cerebral quarterback. He is one of the smartest qu- quarterbacks in the league. He's got a quick release. Uh, he is, uh, one of the best pocket quarterbacks you'll see. Uh, he knows how to climb the pocket. He has great pocket movement, great uh, sense of where he is in the pocket. Um, and he throws with incredible anticipation. He'll throw receivers open. Um, he is very much a traditional quarterback. He is not in the new mold, if you will, of uh, the athletic quarterbacks, the Patrick Mahomes of the world. Um, so I, I think we have to view everything within the lens of who Matt Ryan is. He is not uh, he is he is a bit of a throwback. He is more like a Tom Brady. He is more like a Peyton Manning than he is a Patrick Mahomes. Uh, and it, it is not a criticism. It's just a realization. And Matt knows that. that. We're not saying anything that Matt Ryan doesn't know. He doesn't want to go out there and scramble 10 times, 14 times a game. That's not his, um, his best utilization. Um, so as we talk about Ryan and when we talk about the quarterback position, I know for a lot of fans, they look at it in the light of, oh, well, he is not these guys. Well, yeah, he's not. He's not uh, Patrick Mahomes. He is not, you know, an Aaron Rodgers with uh, who can flick his wrist and throw the ball 90 yards downfield. Um, so within that context, I think it's important to say we know you know, we're, we're Matt Ryan fans. The three of us here have watched him for, you know, almost, uh, you know, 15 years now and we're fans, but we know who he is. We know his limitations. Um, and we're still optimistic within the context of those limitations. So, uh, Gina, I'll go here, uh, first with you, any last thoughts on your outlook for Matt Ryan in 2021? Um, yeah, just one last thing. I'm expecting his stats to probably be hopefully more passing touchdowns than last year. But as far Mm -hmm. as the yardage, pretty close to the same. Um, You just got to factor in losing Julio Jones to the Titans via trade um, and also adding an additional game to the schedule. I think that those two things will balance out. He'll probably be right around 4,600 yards this year and hopefully about 30 touchdowns. So that's been pretty consistent with his performance over the course of his career. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to see what this offense looks like under this new regime. Absolutely. Uh, Kevin, any final thoughts on Matt Ryan before we go to the very, very exciting backups behind him? (laughs) One of them is somewhat exciting. The other one, you know, maybe less so, but yeah, I mean, I, the big thing that I think we're going to see is while it's not going to be Tennessee, we're going to see Ryan's passing attempts drop probably significantly because Dirk, Mm -hmm. Dirk Cutter's always been one of the past heaviest quarterback or, uh, coordinators in the NFL. The Falcons were behind in every game. Um, it was just, just a bad situation there. So I think, you know, we'll probably see Ryan more around 500 to 550 passing attempts, maybe more towards 550 with the extra game factored in. But, you know, for reference, uh, Ryan Tannehill last year in 16 games only had 481 passing attempts, which is, 
you know, almost what, 140 less than Ryan had. Yes. Uh, And, you know, Tannehill had a lot less yards because of it, but uh, Tannehill also had 33 touchdowns because Arthur Smith is a red zone genius. Um, And I mean, that's the big thing is, is it's going to be a more efficient passing attack, which is what really matters, not volume. So, you know, we could see Ryan drop 120 fewer passes, uh, but get more touchdowns and more yards per attempt and still almost replicate his stats from this previous year in terms of yardage because of it. So um, I think the big thing is, you know, can Arthur Smith replicate his red zone genius? Because if they can get to 70 plus percent red zone efficiency, like he did in Tennessee each of the last two years, I mean, that is huge. Um, yes. You know, if all, if all you changed last year was Atlanta's red zone efficiency from like 53%, which was almost the worst in the league, thanks to Cutter, to Tennessee's <laughs> first ranked red zone efficiency, which was 75%, the Falcons would have been a top eight offense in scoring just with that and one change. Potentially a playoff team. Potentially yes, a playoff team. Almost yeah. certainly because, you know, you, you add, I think, 30 or 40 points to their total with that, maybe even a little bit more. So, I mean, they lost a lot of games by a point, by a couple points. You know, they lost eight, I think, one score games. So yep. um, it doesn't take much to turn that around. So this is why you're going to see the Falcons picked as a trendy team to kind of turn it around. And, um, you know, this is the big test for, for Arthur Smith. You know, every, all the doubters are going to say it was all Derrick Henry, but um, Derrick Henry didn't score all those touchdowns. Tannehill had 33 of them and he wasn't throwing them all to Derrick Henry. So right. it's more than just Henry. Uh, it's going to be different in Atlanta. You know, you don't have Henry there to lean on, but, uh, I think it will be good. Uh, maybe not great this first year. It might take a year or two to, to get fully settled, but yeah, excited to see how, how Ryan fares in this new offense. Yes. Uh, and to be fair, um, in the first year under Kyle Shanahan in 2015, um, that was still, even though they had some rough spots, some very rough spots, that was a much more entertaining offense in general. Um, you could tell that there was a lot going on. And uh, towards the end of 2015, you could see the, the lights beginning to, to turn on for everybody. Uh, I suspect we'll see that sooner because, as you mentioned, uh, this is a West Coast-style offense uh, at its core. I do think Matt Ryan is going to adapt a little bit quicker to Arthur Smith than he did to Kyle Shanahan. Um, but... Uh, this is this is the big question mark. So let's go and talk now about some of these backup quarterbacks. There are two currently on the roster. And I think the Falcons sort of stunned everybody by not drafting a quarterback, even in the sixth or seventh round. I think many people thought, okay, if you're if you're committing to quarterback, you got to take one at least, you know, sometime in day three. And they didn't. They waited uh, and they ended up uh, grabbing Felipe Franks uh, as a free agent. Uh, rookie out of Arkansas, 23 years old. Uh, this is a big kid. He's a six foot six, uh, 234. Um, you know, I think the scouting report on him, and, and I'm going to lean on you, Kevin, for this here in a second. Uh, big arm, but uh, terrible footwork and uh, questionable accuracy at times. Uh, and then they also signed veteran AJ McCarron out of Alabama. He is 30 years old. He's been in the, the league for about seven years. I think his last stint was with Cincinnati. Um, and AJ McCarron, is like if you were going to say, computer, design me a white quarterback with no outstanding traits whatsoever, you would get A.J. McCarron. That would be <laughs> what would spit out of the computer algorithm. I don't think he's, he doesn't have a big arm. He's not, you know, he's 6'3", so he's, he's decently sized. He's not athletic. Uh, he's not really great in the pocket. He's just sort of, he's vanilla ice cream 
um, of, of the ice cream flavors. So not the thing you order, it's sort of the thing you lean on if you absolutely have to. Um, nothing to hate about him, but not anything to get excited about either. Um, so Kevin, uh, start us off here uh, with Felipe Franks because Franks actually started, I believe, at the University of Florida and mm-hmm. uh, ended up transferring. Um, and there were some people who felt like of the quarterbacks, uh, you know, that are, are developmental guys, that this guy may have the most upside because he actually showed a good a bit of development in his college years. So what is your take? He really on- has. Yeah. 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 I mean, I if you if they were not going to draft a quarterback and we're going to wait for undrafted free agency, this is the guy to grab. Um, this is the one to get. And I think this is the most talented quarterback they've brought in since Matt Ryan um, <laughs> in terms of people in the draft. Um, and it's not particularly close because they've basically ignored the position every year. I mean, I love Kurt Benkert and I wish they had kept him around at least to compete this hey, offseason. But do not disrespect um, Sean Renfrey. Oh, excuse me, Sean Renfrey. I'm so sorry if you're listening <laughs> to this. Um, but look, I mean, um, yes, Felipe Franks has his issues. Uh, and we spoke with uh, Thor Nystrom of NBC Sports Edge a couple months ago on the Falcolock Live to get his take on some of the undrafted free agents. And he loves Franks. And I, I like the way he summed it up as saying, basically, any undrafted quarterback you bring in, or even late round quarterback, usually has about a 1% chance of turning into something in the NFL Franks it maybe has a 5% chance uh, because of his <laughs> incredible athleticism and the fact that he did show a lot of growth over his college career. He is still very much a work in progress, but um, we'll break it down here a little bit. So in terms of his athleticism, Franks is a 95th percentile athlete at the quarterback position uh, per relative athletic score, RAS uh, six, almost six, six, 234 pounds. Uh, Ran a four six one, which is ninety three or ninety third wow. percentile for quarterbacks. Uh, four two two short shuttle, which is eighty second percentile, and then he also jumped almost ten feet in the broad, which is like almost ninetieth percentile. Oh, well. This is this is an athlete at quarterback, absolutely. Which is it's funny because he actually wasn't a great runner of the football, um, more because I just don't think he knew how to run it particularly well. And one of his <laughs> college years at Florida, they they uh, gave him I think like. What was it? Or yeah, they gave him 110 carries in 2018 at Florida, and they gave him 105 last year at Arkansas, and he didn't particularly do much with it. Um, so he, he is athletic, and I think it's it's better for pocket movement than it is necessarily for his dual threat ability at this time. But it is a part of his game that he could potentially get better at, and I think in an Arthur Smith offense, he could be a weapon. You know, in short yardage in the red zone, that sort of thing. He did have seven rushing touchdowns in 2018 at Florida. So that is something he can potentially unlock a little bit more of. Um, but the big issues early on at Florida uh, were the accuracy, uh, which, uh, you know, you mentioned yeah. his pr- completion percentage in 2017, just 54.6%. His completion percentage 2018, just 58.4%. Uh, and then 2019, that's when he got hurt, unfortunately, only played in four games. But that season, his his passing had improved significantly. He was up to 76% completion percentage in 2019 before he got hurt. Um, Law ended up Kyle Trask came in and played, you know, very well uh, after he went out. So Franks then transferred to Arkansas the next year. Um, And at Arkansas, he continued to show that growth. His completion percentage was 68.5 last year at Arkansas. And his yards per attempt was very good as well. 8.9. That's significant. Uh, 
Yeah, 17 touchdowns to four interceptions. So this is not the stats of a guy you look at and say, oh, he's a bad passer because he and I think people focus too much on his early years where he was this flashy big name guy at, at Florida um, and not enough on the COVID shortened season at Arkansas, where I think he showed a lot of growth as a passer. Now, is this a guy you want coming in and reading an NFL defense and making throws on the fly this year? Absolutely not. But because he is so talented athletically and in terms of his arm talent, I mean, it's, it's incredible. Like this is a guy that has rare potential for someone you could get this late in the draft. Um, so I like him a lot. I, I think that he's got a much better chance maybe than people realize to stick over someone like AJ McCarron. And part of that's because we just don't know what type of backup Arthur Smith favors under mm-hmm. Sarkeesian under Shanahan, under Dan Quinn, under Mike Smith, all those guys, generally they wanted a veteran guy, you know, under Mike Smith, they were more willing to keep guys like Dominique Davis and Sean Renfrey and such. So that was a little bit of a difference, but ever since Dan Quinn took over, it was always the veteran. It was Matt Schaub basically every single year. And we don't know what Arthur Smith's going to do. If it is an open competition, I would not be surprised if, if Franks is given a big chance to, to win the job outright. Not that he necessarily will for sure, but, um, the fact that they didn't bring in another quarterback is is pretty telling in my eyes. I think they believe their backup is one of these two guys. They like both of these guys. And look, I think both these guys are going to get a ton of snaps in the preseason because it's just the two of them. Um, so I think we're going to get an extended look at Franks. And I think he does have a legitimate chance to win the job if he plays well. Yeah, this is, uh, in my mind, this is actually a, a, a somewhat interesting storyline for training camp. Um, and Gina you know, we are uh, recording this on the 20th. I think training camp, I think it does start on the 31st, but uh, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe a day or two before. But uh, as you look at, you know, what uh, we just talked about with Franks and his potential, and you were uh, mentioning as well, you saw that growth uh, out of him in college. Um, are you passionate about the idea that AJ McCarron, the veteran, should get the first nod? Or do you feel like with Franks that, uh, maybe the Falcons should start leaning into the the idea of trying to bring someone up like that in the hopes that, you know, worst case, you you, you bring up a, a decent backup and maybe long term you can maybe you're finding a diamond in the rough. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that when we're talking about these two players in particular, we have seen enough from A.J. McCarron over the yes. course of his NFL career. I mean, do you guys remember a few years ago, Dalton got hurt and McCarron was mm-hmm. starting for the Bengals. And then, like, he had maybe, like, a few good plays. And then all of a sudden it was like, oh, A.J. McCarron's going to hit free agency. And he had to file a grievance against the Bengals to become an unrestricted free agent because he was sure he was going to get signed to, like, a high-dollar contract to be a starter. <laughs> And I was still on the SB Nation's NFL news desk at the time. And my colleagues and I were like, has AJ McCarron ever watched himself play? <laughs> Does he watch his own tape? Is he aware that he is just not that good? I mean, you know, he's had some some okay performances, but I, I think that okay is about his ceiling. Um, yes. Obviously, he has more NFL experience uh, than Felipe Franks, who is a rookie. But I really, really think that Franks has a high ceiling and it is very encouraging to me that we have seen that progress and growth from him over the course of his college career. And so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that 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 bodes well for what he'll be able to learn under a professional coaching staff in the NFL. And I'm really excited to see what he can do. I'm, you know, 
AJ McCarron is fine. I think that he would probably be a fine backup, especially considering how durable Matt Ryan has been. But like I said, we know what we're getting into with McCarron. Franks is an unknown. I'm eager to see what he can do this preseason. And I think that he has a lot of potential. Yes. And that's to me, the, the big sort of key word here is the potential. Uh, and as you mentioned, we know who AJ McCarron is. Um, you know, I, I spent a, a, a few minutes sort of lambasting him for being as, as boring as possible of a quarterback. Um, but the reality is with Franks, there's, there is a lot of upwards potential there. Now I want to say that the NFL is littered with the history of players who had unlimited potential and never came close to realizing it. And mm-hmm. certainly the quarterback position has been one of them. One of the most uh, consistent with, you know, having flash plays and watching these guys and, and thinking they're going to be the next great thing and realizing that there's not enough there, you know, whether it's uh, in their capacity to continue to improve or, or circumstances. But if I were going to uh, try to rebuild a franchise, um, I would rather spend time investing it in guys that have upside as opposed to a veteran. Because let's be honest, if Matt Ryan gets injured, the drop-off to McCarron is significant. Um, the drop-off mm-hmm. to Franks is significant. Uh, you are probably not going to have a good offense, whether you put McCarron out there or whether you put Franks out there. It's <laughs> not going to be good either way. So at least in my mind, and maybe I'm, I'm in the wrong here, I'd love to hear from our listeners and our readers about this. In my mind, I would rather give the shot to the 23-year-old with the big arm and the potential as opposed to the 30-year-old veteran who has not done anything in the league. Um, so I, hopefully, I think we're all on the same page with that one. Um, yes. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. yeah if, if Matt Ryan did happen to get injured, and again, I'm knocking on wood that it doesn't happen. I hope you can hear it. Um, but <laughs> if, if, if that would happen, you can find David and me at the bar. And we'll just <laughs> yes. be there for the rest of the season because I can't, I can't deal with it. Cannot deal yeah. with it. Without At least doubt. with Felipe Franks, there's like a slight chance of like a miracle occurring, right. you know, <laughs> or at least it's like, well, we have this young, exciting, undrafted quarterback who's like at least a flashy athlete. And like, maybe we can see what we have here. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But like, honestly, uh, Thor on live, he said the same thing that you guys are saying, like, what's the point of AJ McCarron? on this team. Like, <laughs> I mean, it's like, okay, if Matt Ryan's going to miss a game or two, maybe he can like keep the ship afloat, maybe, you know, sc- scratch out some wins here and there, but like McCarron hasn't thrown more than, I mean, last time McCarron threw more than like 40 attempts in a season was 2015. Oh uh, yeah. Like he hasn't actually played significant snaps since 2015. I mean, I think in 2019, he threw 37 attempts uh, and, you know, it wasn't great. Uh, it was 37 attempts at a 56.8% completion percentage for 225 yards and an interception. Uh, <laughs> so, you know, 6.1 yards per attempt, folks. This is nothing that I would be excited about. Um, so, like, I think the thing with McCarron that has kept him around in the league and is, is a worthwhile skill is that he is battle tested. He's played under, you know, the most difficult circumstances at Alabama. I mean, he played in national championships. This is a mm-hmm. guy that can come in and command a huddle. He's smart with the ball. He's not going to make a ton of mistakes. So that sort of reliability, even though it's a low ceiling is, is I think something that teams are interested in, but 
you know, I guess I just don't know what Arthur Smith likes. I, I guess I get the feeling more that Arthur Smith is like, look, if we don't have Matt Ryan, we might as well try to do something with, with Felipe Franks. That's where I would lean. Like if we're going to lose Matt Ryan for any amount of significant time, just put the rookie out there, see what you have in him, see if maybe there is something that can be gleaned there and best and worst case scenario, you end up, you know, with a bad record and a high draft pick again in a year that was lost because Matt Ryan was lost. So I just don't see the point in treading water with AJ McCarron. If you know, we were to not have Matt Ryan for any amount of time. Um, And I think, I think Frank's maybe not as good of a quarterback this year, but I guess a part of me says, does it really matter? You know, um, does it really matter? Cause I don't, I don't think we're thinking the Falcons are serious contenders this year. I think they could surprise people and end up in a wild card, but um you know, if you're not a serious contender, I think the need for this like reliable backup to keep you afloat for a game or two is just not as important. Yes. Um, Agreed. And I guess we could talk about the fact that maybe they'll keep three quarterbacks, you know, maybe they'll keep both of them if, if they like what they see from Franks, but aren't quite comfortable going into the season with him as like the unquestioned backup. But um, I just, I don't really see anything in McCarron that screams like we need to keep this guy over maybe a promising rookie like that, that he's going to give us that much more. And, you know, Franks has his legs. Maybe you can kind of create a little bit of a different offense with Franks that maybe Mm -hmm. can get you a few wins that way too. You know, teams with that no tape on Franks whatsoever. You come in, you run, look, Arthur Smith's offense is not hard to run. Um, It's a lot of play action. It's a lot of easy reads. It's a lot of Arthur Smith's going to get guys open with his scheme. Unlike Dirk Cutter. So like someone like Franks who needs work, maybe would be able to even make some throws in a system like that because it's, it's being set up to make it easier for him. But um, yeah, I just, I don't really get the point of McCarron and if he won the job, I wouldn't be surprised, (laughs) but you know, back before Frank's, it was like, okay, they need a guy. So nice to bring in McCarron. I believe it was like after day one of the draft, they just signed him and they're like, yeah, Mm -hmm. Uh, which we have a backup. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I just, you know, there is no point to you. So like, <laughs> just, just like assuming Felipe Franks doesn't completely fall on his face in preseason or something. And I don't think he's going to have like this world on fire sort of preseason, but you know, I think if he looks serviceable, I think that's enough that you're like, okay, well, yeah, you know, I'm not expecting McCarron to have a great preseason. I don't think he really has done that either. So um, we'll see what happens, but I, I like the idea of Franks over McCarron at this point. I feel like if you walked into like a Dollar Tree and they had a selection of balloons and you found a balloon that said generic NFL player (laughs) and you went and you started blowing it up and the balloon came to full fruition, that would be AJ McCarron. And it's just like, He's the blow-up balloon at Dollar Tree. And that I thought we were going in a different direction there for a second. I was, I was a little worried, but okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, this is the PG version of the podcast. Yeah, okay, good, good. Um, yeah. Join our Patreon for the, uh, the After Hours dark. version. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, my word. God, this, things have gotten out of hand. Um, so with that, last thoughts, um, Gina, I'll go to you here. Uh, your confidence level in this position going into the 2021 season? As long as Matt Ryan stays healthy, it's very high. Um, If Matt Ryan doesn't stay healthy, yeah. (laughs) I believe we just (laughs) covered that in detail. Um, But yeah, as long as Matt Ryan stays healthy, which, you know, he certainly has been able to do for most of his career, um, I think that this position is solid. 
Kevin, same question to you. Yeah, I mean, I think in the NFL, and this is basically true of every team, it's 90% the starter and 10% the backup at quarterback. Because if yeah. you're losing your starter, you're going to be in bad shape. You just can't, unless you're really lucky, have two starting caliber guys just sitting on your roster waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Chiefs did with Alex Smith and Mahomes, you know, but that's extremely rare. Um, so I, I think 90% of this answer is about Matt Ryan. I have full confidence in Matt Ryan to be at worst and above average starting NFL quarterback. And I think he's going to be more like a top 10 NFL quarterback in Arthur Smith's offense. So my, my answer would be very high. And then with the backup situation, I mean, I like the upside of Franks and I, I would be comfortable just saying like, you know, screw it. Like Matt Ryan gets hurt. We're screwed anyway. So just put the, put the undrafted guy out there and see what we got. Uh, some folks might balk at that. You know, I wouldn't, it wouldn't shock me if Fontenot is a little, not really willing to go that far and they do maybe end up keeping both of them, but, um, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty confident. Yeah. Same here. I, I, I have the exact same thought as both of you. Uh, if Matt Ryan goes down we're, we're, we're screwed anyways, and may as well have a little bit of fun. Uh, you know, sort of like if you, you burn down the house, you know, what's, why not add the car to the fire at this point? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking like, maybe toast some marshmallows, not also burn down your car. <laughs> the perfectly good car. Yeah. Um, I, I am, I am all about the scorched earth policy, which is <laughs> probably explains a lot in my life. Um, so with that, uh, Gina remind our listeners where they can find you and what you have going on. You can find me on Twitter at Gina Thomas. It's J E A N N A Thomas, where I am either, mad online about stuff or posting pictures of my dogs. And also keep an eye out late August on SBNation.com for our annual season preview. We're going to have all of the information that you need to know about all 32 teams. So definitely look for that. And Kevin, same from you, buddy. Yeah, I am at Falcoholic Kevin. The show is at Falcoholic Live, both on Twitter, and then it's The Falcoholic on YouTube as well. And that's those shows are Wednesdays at 8, 10 p.m. Eastern. And then our uh, patron Q&A this month is going to be f- this Friday uh, at 5 p.m. Eastern. And then also want to let folks know that uh, we're still waiting for official team confirmation, but uh, I will be... Uh, going to training camp this year for the first, I think it's six days. So like the 29th through the fourth or something like that. So look forward to some uh, live coverage from there. I'm hoping to be able to do some shows, you know, immediately following practice, that sort of thing to give you guys all the immediate training camp updates. Really excited about that. So can't wait to bring you guys that information. Awesome. All right. As for me, guys, you can find me on the Twitters at FalcoholicDW. Updates for this podcast at Falcoholic Pod, And, of course, our articles daily at thefalcoholic.com. So for Gina Kelly and Kevin Knight, this is David Walker. Thank you guys for listening in. We'll talk with you next time.